0: Welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Hi Nigel, how are you? Very well. Thank you, Mark. How's yourself? You okay? Yeah, all good. Thank you. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Property Portfolio. So, our normal breakfast session recorded for you for posterity on our Property Portfolio podcast. And this week, we've got a fascinating subject, something that is close to our hearts and we come across literally every day embedded in our systems, and that's valuations. Yes. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's quite quite a biggie, isn't it? It's certainly a third party item, and uh, you know we we do a lot of anticipation, don't we, in terms of what that valuation output um, is, and we do that through the DD, obviously leading into any development or investment that we look at. Yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah.
0: I would say for for those well those those seasoned in property and those just getting getting into property for the first time it's probably one of the most um, most challenging areas at least from a mindset perspective it feels as though it's kind of hands off the steering wheel and something that is very difficult to control and i think i think being fair that you know there is quite a lot to that you know it is out of your hands to a certain extent but there's so much you can do to reduce that gap close that risk and embed that with the proper due diligence in in the systems that that you operate, so you know, and I think that's something we've learned over well over many, many years of of doing this. um sometimes you can't control all the risks, but as you say, you can simulate, you can anticipate what's coming down the tracks and yeah. and get the right level of preparedness in the system absolutely, absolutely. I mean we you know we we think of you know who is the
1: Who's the beneficiary of the valuation? You know, and um, I guess it depends, doesn't it? It depends because the, you know, if it's if you've got a lender on board, let's say that's um, going to lend you money into a, into whatever it is a development, you know, the valuation's done on behalf of the lender. Okay, we we actually may pick up the the costs which we we ordinarily do, but but equally it could be it's done on behalf of the trustees of a pension scheme you know the, the pensions investing the, the pension is the is the bank and the trustees would like evaluation so it could be done on behalf of the trustees or it could actually uh there's probably a few others but it could be done on behalf of you you know if you're if you're buying something in cash and you're developing it in cash you probably just want that you know that second opinion you know fresh pair of eyes kind of looking into the opportunity just to just to make sure that you know from a values tend to be pint half empty you know which from a contingency point of view is very very useful and very very good um it can be a bit adverse as well if you don't play it the right way but um you know they they look at it um from a a, a less optimistic perspective so therefore you know if if your numbers work at that basis you can you can hope and wish and want for possibly a, bit, a little bit more outcome you know throughout the development so so yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting document and how people use it for sure, but, uh, yeah. very detailed Mark, aren't they? I mean, gosh, I mean, we, we had one, um, carried out a few months ago and, you know, it's 50 pages long, this valuation, 50 pages and yeah. Okay. I mean, there was, there was a fair bit of, you know, talking about the local area and those sort of things, but there was a, quite a lot of granular detail and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as you say, you can influence it, can't you? You can, you know, provide evidence and support, you know, to the valuer, which can can influence the valuation one way or the other. So it's, it's
0: a yeah. good way to do it. A lot, lot, lot of scrutiny. And uh, um, that particular one, I, I met the valuer on site, and the valuer was very keen to hear our opinions. Um, very keen. Mm-hmm. Have you got comparables? Have you done your research? um Important to note for for many who may be listening to to this podcast, um, relatively new to property, um, quite often it, it, it won't be you that's um, uh, appointing the the valuer. It will be generally the lender, which could be you, you know, and other guys. It could be your 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 SAS pension or or a, a limited company that's borrowing in uh, or lending in. But generally, it's going to be uh, the bank, um, and you will then have a choice from the bank lending panel and we see this a few times don't we people going in for a valuation too early paying their own money and then finding out when they've then introduced their broker and they've got a, a funder on board uh, that valuation isn't on the uh, the the bank's uh, valuing panel lending panel um so you end up having to to repeat the the, the process um but so i suppose there's two two areas really where we focus on with the valuation one is going into the deal if you've not got the construct right the the deal structure right the deal could fall apart and uh, and uh, you wouldn't be um, you potentially could lose your seed capital and then the second valuation which we're really concerned about is the valuation based on our exit now that could be uh, the valuation that is going to be done by the buying party the people who are buying the individual apartments um that will have help to buy compliance that will have uh, mortgage compliance and things so we really are looking on a say a typical commercial to residential or a land development deal which is the two areas we tend to to focus on um yeah the the two areas um on the way in and on the way out and on the way out it might might be you may not be selling the units you might want to be holding the units Well, quite often that refinance is part of the exit. So moving away from development finance onto to to longer term finance, you might well be holding the units, but in a separate legal entity, non VAT registered. So Mm. there'll probably be a sales transaction there. So um, these are all things that can be learned. They sound complex. Mm. And to a certain extent, there is an air of complexity there, but that's why you get great people in your team, and mm. learn to simulate and anticipate. And I, I think you do that very well, Nigel, running our land and acquisition team.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. And, it, you know, it's really under, understanding the, um, the valuation methodology, you know, how, you know, it's a, it's a Royal Institute Charter Surveyors uh, methodology of valuation. Uh, the slight quirks, um, depending what it is and where it is and those sort of things, and in, indeed the practice that's, um, you know, undertaking the valuation of the like slight quirks but you know in the main um you know it follows a, a route of looking at the overall value we're we following a route of comparables it's it's all historic data the treatment of the data is uh, is really important but you know we, we teach that as part of the the mentorship process and uh, and that support and guidance uh, program that we have but um you know we we also then so we get the historic data from the market um, generally no no older than 12 months um you know within a quarter of a mile ideal of the postcode at the location that you're, you're you're looking to develop and um and then we also go out to the local agents so we'll as a as a second source of uh, comparable evidence if you like so we'll we'll ask four five six local agents you know to to put their views around the Around the scheme and um, gives an indication of resale values. So, so that's really very useful. See, we tend to to, to create those two ranges. That on our Echo IDA, that uh, that creates the low range. So that's from the sole comparables, historic, and then the high range. Generally, um, not in all cases, but generally um, is the local Asian views and we'll, we'll, we'll take a view of the views as well. Um, you know, we'll always have a range. Uh, we'll either take a mid position or maybe just take the lowest, lowest position of those views coming back. So that's, that's really useful. But I think moreover, Mark, and you, you, you've you picked on it a few times there. We've mentioned it a few times. It's all about evidence. Yeah. So we, when the valuers come to site, they, they kind of want to grill us. Yeah. They want to, They want to ask all the all the tough questions. They want to, you know, and anything that we've presented to them. And we generally send them the uh an abridged version of our Equa IDA, uh, our development analyzer. And um, you know, they'll ask, Nigel, how did you, Mark, how did you get to that number? You know, can you please provide evidence of how you got to that number? And therefore, you know, having all this data and information nicely locked away in a little filing system on your Dropbox or whatever your storage system is. You know, to be able to ping it across, you know, within short order, is a you know is a great thing to have. And it, you you basically are evidencing every single number on your development analyzer with you know with other historic data or, or or market data. So that <clears throat> that kind of deals with the the gross development value element of it. Uh, the methodology. It's always good to talk through the value of the methodology because what you're actually doing, you're echoing back to him his own process, you know, which is good. And that creates very much an alignment of minds, you know, so so the methodology is sound, number one, right? The the historic and evidence data is sound because we've provided it and we've told him how we've analyzed it. So that's sound. So from a value point of view, you're pretty much locked in. There'll always be a few subjective items, you know, you might you might within your development, you know, be it a land development or a commercial conversion let's say if it's a commercial conversion you might have utilized a bit of um, inefficient space and maybe put some storage units in there you know so there could be a debate over what a storage unit is worth whether it's a thousand pounds or two two and a half thousand pounds but guess what you can ask the estate agents to include that as part of their their summary in terms of uh, evaluation of the site so again you've got the evidence you know and you might have a range parking spaces is a classic as well you know, do ask the local agents for their opinions in terms of, um, you know, what they've typically sold a parking space for in that local area. And when you've got any residual spaces maybe on a on a site, you know, let's put the value through, you know, and, and provide the evidence to support that. So, you know, a uh, major part of valuation is is the actual value, isn't it, Mark? And, mm-hmm. you know, the costs kind of flow from that. So, you know, as a starting point, that's really useful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, those of you who are familiar with the the or IDA, um, you know, that simulates and anticipates all these elements. And so not only does it put you in the right mindset uh, and creates that systemized process for you to evaluate, do that proper structured due diligence of your deal. And the reason why we call it bank-grade due diligence is because quite often this, this due diligence, who kicks the tyres on it? Well, it's going to be your senior lender. Um, it's going to be the bank, so you know it has to stand muster to bank-grade due diligence. Mm. Um, by the time you uh, place an order or, or, or confirm with the bank that you're going with that bank, the bank will then instruct the valuer. They might give you four to choose from. Um, and uh, I mean, a red book value uh, valuation survey will will really depend on the the scale of the development. Um, but that could be anywhere from well, thousand fifteen hundred pounds through to ten thousand pounds and upwards. But typically, for many deals we see, they're probably in the th- kind of three to five thousand uh, pound range. Um, so you're parting with quite significant capital. You're not going to get that money back if your due diligence is found to be flawed. Um, so it's all about protecting your your capital, protecting your seed capital, um, and we 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 bang this mantra, bang this drum, you know, a lot, don't we, Nigel? About protecting your seed capital. We're looking to create assured outcomes, and anybody involved in our 13 week program or, or mentorship will will understand that. That's what the Equida and the methodology is all about and once you've come to the end of that process of analyzing and you've structured your offers um, and the negotiation and you've got your yes and then you're into that relationship with the bank and the broker um to to structure how the finance comes in again you don't want to be left threadbare at that stage you know you that's where the real due diligence comes in and and I remember when we did um, one of our earlier podcasts, Nigel, which was about finding deals. Mm. You know, quite often it's it's mm. not just about getting the yes, is it? Absolutely. You know, you've got to walk the deal up the aisle and put a ring on its finger, and you know, get to that wedding ceremony, <laughs> as we would say, and that's the crucial part. And if the bank don't fund it and it doesn't pass valuation muster, mm-hmm. well, either the deal's going to fall over. Or you're going to have to get alternative finance. So you've lost some seed capital and you have to start uh, again. Or probably if they downvalue, where's the impact? Who takes the impact of, of a downvaluation? Well, generally, it's private capital. If the bank are going to lend less, it means you're going to have to put in more capital. And that's probably either going to be from your resources or from uh, 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 additional private investors. And uh, depending on how you've structured your private investment, if you've structured it on a, an equity basis, on a profit share basis, if you're bringing in additional private capital, um, then your return on capital employed is going to go down. Your percentages are going to go down. You're going to dilute other parties um, so you're in quite a dangerous position there. So making sure you've got the due diligence right at the front end, you've got your GDVs that are, are evidential, as you say, part of that audit file, making sure you've got the right amount of private capital with some some contingency in there as well um, is the best way to, to protect the seed capital. So you have to think like a valuer, and, and that's what, that's what you do very well. Yeah, I mean, that
1: you do, you do absolutely. And, and as long as you've done that, and you've, you know, followed that, that process, you know, looking through the lens of that valuation process, you know, th- there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. In, in actual fact, you know, from a valuation perspective, you know, it's somebody who's got your back, you know, they're, they're watching, they're watching your back, they've looked at your numbers, it's the checker, checking the checker kind of <laughs> scenario. And, you know, the amount of detail Mark, that comes through on these valuations is just phenomenal, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, we, we, we teach, you know, people to to look for all these items because we know it's coming, but, you know, they'll, they'll look at, they'll provide you a property summary. So, you know, they'll talk about all, you know, what it is, where it is, you know, all those sorts of things. They'll, they'll give you a market commentary, you know, based upon their experience in the area, maybe even having spoken to, to you know local agents or experts in the local area about what's happening in the area, you know, in terms of the market and and what have you. You know, and they will, you know, within the report, they'll talk about a methodology of evaluation as well. So that's that's all in there for you. You know, this 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 pulls together this 50 pages of of this document. Um, you know the the RICS the, the term of the red book. That's that's an interesting. It, the red book is the methodology of valuation, and it's uh, defined by the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. But you know the report, um, notwithstanding the, the above items, but you know you'll talk about location, description. You know the condition maybe of the the building or the area. You know, and that could be the site itself, or maybe even t- internally within the floors. Um, It'll look at your the planning if it's got it, you know. It'll um, the valuer will will analyse the, the the planning conditions and um, you know the objectives of the planning to to in his view whether it kind of fits into what's being what's being developed. They do a SWOT analysis now. For people that don't understand or have never heard of a SWOT analysis, this is a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So they'll do a nice little table for you. And they'll list in you know all the opportunities but also equally all the threats you know within within that location doing the development that you're looking to achieve in that in that uh, that we we spoke about the um the gdv um and all the methodology and comparable advice then they'll start to look at your build budgets they'll look at your allowances they'll they'll do a commentary on your contingency so whether it's new build whether it's conversion you know whether it should be five percent or ten percent or it's a little bit quirky so there needs to be consideration more contingency maybe they'll give you a commentary on it and they'll explain the reasons why so it's you know it's great support and advice going forward they'll look at your professional things and costs so they'll they'll start at the top and they'll run all the way down and they'll they'll analyze the deal as if it's their own really you know they'll look at your numbers absolutely but they'll They'll look at it based upon their experience and, and, and market, market evidence. Um, they will provide recommendations to the lender within the report. Now, this is mainly around the, uh, the suitability uh, for loan security, um, but they'll also give an indication to the lender what the, what the site is worth today. But they'll also give what the site is worth, if the lender, for whatever reason, had to sell it in three months or had to sell it in six months. yeah, you know? So there'll be a little bit of a range there because clearly if you want to get rid quick, there could be a discount, in fact, to, to consider. But it will t- you know, continue to talk about the local environment, um, any environmental uh, matters that need to be considered, maybe what the land, historically what the land was used for, you know, any potential contamination that there may be in the land. Uh, proximity, let's say to um, to landfill sites, um, mainly consider mining areas. You know, tin mining, that sort of thing. You know, um, identify areas maybe having a risk for, of subsidence or or uh, landslip potentially, and that's all. That's all public data. So they they'll, they'll do a lot of research around that just to just to comment in the in the valuation report. Flood risk is an obvious one. They'll do their homework on flood risk and just check that the, the site location is is not going to be problematic, um, water or or um, or land pollution. You know, in in that uh, location, they may they may do a commentary on there, and but they'll you know they'll try and find out the use of that land over time, and if it was you know the potentially manufacture or let's say storage or sale of um, sale of hazardous or toxic materials, you know, such as, uh, you know, such as chemicals, petroleum products, um, you know, pesticides, fertilizers, you know, just to name but a few, you know, acids, asbestos, all those sorts of things come to mind. Um, they'll be very interested in if, if there's any below ground storage tanks as well and the potential hazard that that could cause as part of a development. So they'll they'll be interested, you know, any potential old, uh, petrol forecourts, um, distribution warehouses that might have underground tanks for the lorries. Historically, these sort of things would would certainly be mentioned within a valuation report. And you know, they'll the probably even look into things like you know the proximity to, let's say, incinerators or or, or any chimneys from manufacturing facilities giving off heavy emissions. You know, those sort of things that they'll make a commentary because what they're interested in is you know supporting the bank in the valuation, not only at the beginning, but all the way through the development and the exits at the end. And if you've got a great smoking chimney next door, you know, will the people come and buy? That's the question, you know, so they will make commentary on that. They'll, they'll do the obvious things. They'll, They'll make reference to, you know, the land registry. They'll probably put an extract of the land registry drawings in there. They'll stick your current layouts in your proposed layouts, all these sort of aspects, will feature within this valuation report they as part of the title they'll do a bit of title work as well so they might highlight any restrictive covenants uh, any rights of way or easements that uh, are apl- applicable to the to the site um you know tenure and title you know that would be referred to and and the obvious ones again, things like service connections. They will do a bit of research, but in that great Mark? you know, all of that data that pretty much rounds it up, doesn't it? You know, they're they're, they're questioning, they're they're researching, they're providing evidence, etc. You know, the bank's obviously going to have a look at this as well, and you just never know. I mean, you know, obviously through the the due diligence element, you probably pick them all up. But um, you know, just let's just think if if there's something you've missed, you know, it's it's been picked up. You've got that golden opportunity of just going back and renegotiating or absorbing or whatever the case may be. But it's definitely
0: enables the eyes wide open. You know, yeah, that's development. A, that's a brilliant point and one that's missed by missed by many is um, you know this this externally verified evidence. Um, if something changes, if there's something that hasn't been identified, if something's picked up there, um, you can use that and go back and potentially renegotiate in, a, in an ethical manner, but renegotiate with the with the vendor, because if one valuer is going to pick that up, if your deal falls over, the next developer down the road coming along, um, they're also going to be having a a uh, valuation done on it as well and, and chances are it will be picked yeah. up as well so yeah. you know, once it's known in the market you know that's uh, yeah, it's quite a consistent factor there so yeah point of a uh, point of, of negotiation you, we, we did a session a few weeks ago on the role of the monitoring surveyor and that is generally the role that follows up the value the the red book valuation isn't it and goes into the detail of the of the constructability and the time and the design and and they'll probe and dig into even more of those, those. Parameters.
1: Absolutely. You know, and the, the value so, so typically I, I would suggest to you that they're, they're majoring on the gross development value and broadly the complexity of the deal, the, you know, the extraneous conditions around the deal And we talked about environmental and planning and all those sorts of aspects. Um, to broadly say, yep, it, it works, you know, and they'll do a summary of cost and all those sorts of things. But, but generally in terms of the, um, in terms of the costs, they would, they would look at them from the basis of experience, I I believe, you know, and then they would definitely lean on the monitoring survey coming in as a second report. And he would just absolutely zero in on the costs, you know, so he would do that kind of granular review um, he'll want to see let's say quotations he wants to see cost plans he wants to see this that and the other just to validate one number potentially um so it's it's a it's a lot more granular uh, at the cost level than the the valuer looking at the whole deal but um and and the monitor survey equally doesn't necessarily look at the gdv so he, yeah. he relies on the valuation to to support that number
0: which does raise a really good point on the, the importance of having a detailed cost plan. Um, now we, we use a, a quantity surveyor uh, quite often, um, and that will be a critical part of your professional team. So ensuring that you've got a QS who understands the proper structuring of the deal, the contracts, the cost plan and and that will fill the monitoring surveyor with a, with a lot of confidence that they've got somebody who's knowledgeable um, because bearing in mind those two parties are going to work together for the course of this development in terms of commercial management. Um, so I, I think actually we should bring in our, uh, our QS um, probably for a, a future podcast,
1: Nigel. I think we should do and, and you know, as we've done with uh, our accountant, our tax advisor, more recently, and um, you know, let's let's ask them some some questions, and you know, understand what the life of a QS actually is. You know, and it'd be really interesting, wouldn't it, for the viewers to hear all all about that? It definitely
0: definitely would, and you can see the mode we're in. Um, there's there's no effing and jeffing about evaluation here. You know, we're we're very grateful for the valuation process. The valuation process keeps the bank safe, and the bank. They only want the same thing. They want a successful outcome. Mm-hmm. Having a deal that falls over is not in the bank's best interest at all. It's a nightmare for them. They're not property companies. They don't want to take possession of, of, of assets unless it's really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very grateful working with the banks. Um, we took that insightful view many, many, many years ago to to embrace them, work with them, and that's why... Um, we use that word, you know, simulate and anticipate in our systems. Um, understanding how an RICS, a Royal Institute of Chartered a Red Book Valuation Process, how it works, how it works in concert with all the other surveys into our critical due diligence system means we get less surprises. I won't say you'll never get any surprises because there will always be uh, different, uh, different opinions. Um, but once you've got uh, a great, a great uh, uh, fabric, if you like, of, um, uh, of integrity in your due diligence system, um, it does create that, that debate. It creates that respect as well when the, when the valuers, the monitoring surveyors, when they see the, the level of due diligence and the audit pack um, that we share with them you know, it understands that. Look, we're a we're we're a reasoned business. We're based on prudency here, and um, security and assured outcomes. And you create respect there, um, and they're more likely, more inclined to debate certain points. Um, one question that sometimes we get asked is: is can we see a draft copy of the valuation report? Well, do bear in mind that the valuation report is instructed by the bank. It's not instructed by you. Um, somebody's dropped us a, a note in, Dominic, on on the live chat. You know, if you can choose between three or four valuers, do you, do you truly get to choose? Yeah, and, and the answer is yeah. The bank will say, look, these four valuers, which one do you want to use? You can phone them. You can get quotes from all four. You can ultimately choose, but um, you'll be paying the costs. It won't surprise you, but the bank will instruct, and the valuer will be making that valuation report to the bank, not to you, to to the bank. Um, So we have to respect the line of contract here. Occasionally, and particularly as your credibility grows, you may get a draft copy to have a look at. Quite often you won't. And in fact, the the valuer is under no obligation to give you a copy of the, the valuation report at all. It's not your property, it's the property of the bank. Um, sometimes the bank may or may not release it. Sometimes you can get a copy through through your broker. So understanding this process is uh, is is incredibly important. So typically there would be just one red book valuation done. It would be by the bank. The bank very very rarely would would instruct a, a second valuation, but there are certain examples where that might happen. Um, typically, Nigel, how long do we see a valuation report is valid for about three months? Three months,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, a few years ago, it used to be 12 months and then it dropped to six and then it dropped to, to three, um, but it is three. And it's something you've really got to consider, actually, in terms of the transaction. So, so if you're, you know, if you have, have mapped out your transaction and it's, it's kind of over a period of six months... Or well, you know, just be mindful that your valuation is going to run out after three. And generally, the the lender will not transact unless he's got a, a current and in-date valuation. Um, this is where we, we see a few times, don't we, Mark, um, where parties, for the right reasons, have um, negotiated, let's say, an exchange delay completion, you know, where they've kind of exchanged, locked themselves in, but the delay com- completion could be know for a period of six months Uh, the problem is that you know in short order after exchange your valuation is going to expire and that becomes a risk it becomes a risk because if during the remaining part of that um you know deferred consideration or that delayed completion period that the market does something the valuation could be rewritten and it could actually say a different number that could therefore impact on your lending you've exchanged contracts you know, you've got to complete, but your lending's moving around, so you just have to be really mindful of that, and very much on an nice eyes wide open basis. If you're, if you're getting a little bit creative in terms of the uh, the approach to uh, to that completion date, uh, what what we prefer to do is is exchange, and then in very short order complete. That's that's what we prefer to do, and it just keeps everything in date, everything alive. It's all in the moment, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. So it's, that's just um, that's just a word of warning to to all the listeners that uh, just need to make sure that valuation is is absolutely
0: uh, in date. There, yeah, shows critical importance having a great relationship with your broker as well, so you can really yeah. break down these timescales and yeah. sequencing. Yeah. Um, that question of when do I do the, when do I instruct the uh, the valuer? Um, you yeah. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Um, yeah. Yeah. you know too early okay yes you get a heads up but you know if it mm. takes you four and a half five months to do the transaction mm. Mm. you could be very late on That's recertifying right. that valuation which is another fee and more uncertainty
1: it is. it is. i mean there's a number of ways it can go and and again you'd have to you'd have to consult with your bank uh, or your lender uh, to get the valuation extended or or rewritten um, because again, it's not been done on your behalf. It's been done on behalf of the bank. So the bank owns the, that relationship and owns the, uh, owns the, you know, the, the property rights around the, um, evaluation. So, so they would have to go back to the value and request and it, it can go one of three ways. It can go, yep, we'll just extend it for another week or another two weeks and, you know, no cost, we just kind of redate it. It shouldn't be an issue. Um, some entities will charge you and it could be into the hundreds of pounds. It could be up to the thousands of pounds, depending on the, the value of the initial, you know, uh, initial price. Um, or it could be, uh, we want to do a brand new valuation, you know, so there is the risk, isn't there, that you've got that period of time, um, your, your valuations expired, and you've you've got to get yourself a valuation that's in date to enable the transaction to actually uh, go the distance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're we're going to be many of you will see the announcement last week of our uh, brand new thirteen week program. Uh, it's called the Equa Commercial to Residential and Land Development Program. So over thirteen weeks, starting on the seventh of April we're going to be discussing the the whole end-to-end process of commercial to residential conversions and land developments, because there are a lot of of similar areas uh, focused here. And one of those key areas is going to be that initial due diligence at the front end, which includes simulating and anticipating the, the valuation process, absolutely critical. The valuation process, not just going into the deal, but the valuation process that others will be instructing later on down the line. Now, it could be you in terms of holding the assets and refinancing. It could be 20 people who are going to buy their first-time apartments on help to buy. So you need to think how does help to buy, how do help to buy mortgage providers think, how do uh, solicitors think in acquiring apartments, so we' we're, we're, we're walking that great quote that we both love, you know walking a mile into somebody else's shoes. We, first of all, we've got to understand who those who those parties are likely to be in that process and making sure you're building up that audit pack all the time. I mean one one of the questions that the valuer will ask and certainly the monitoring surveyor will ask is who your structural warranty provider is. Well, that gets you into that mode. You need to understand very early on, before legal completion, who the structural warranty provider is or is likely to be. Get your shortlist, interview them, um, because once you start constructing, once you start doing the foundations, you know that's a critical part of the audit file that the structural warranty provider requires. And we are creating in a commercial to residential conversion or a land. Uh, to residential process, we're com- we're creating new titles, we're creating new properties, mm. and they will all require a an insurance backed product, mm. and that's something that the uh, the buyer's solicitor is going to uh, uh, going to be looking at. So again, that's another part of what we're going to be looking at in this 13 week program. And I just want to take a-, a minute just to explain to you how that 13 week process works. So week one will be about strategy, planning, creating the roadmap and understanding, you know, the business integrity of what you're trying to achieve and ultimately whether you're looking for cash flow, capital growth, equity and um, royalties, whatever that structure is. So that's week one. And these, these each week is generally a, a three hour Zoom call. Uh, it's done live by Nigel and myself So that's week one. Week two is all about actions. You know, that's where you you go away and you implement what we taught you in week one. And then week three, we're going to be discussing finding, due diligence, deal analysis, the acquisition process, the valuation process. So that's week three. Week four, you go away and implement that. Week five is about structuring business. Uh, business structuring, you know, accountancy, tax efficiency, uh, managing risk, how you're going to structure private investment. Is it debt? Is it equity? Um, That's week five. And week six, again, that's where you go and deploy those actions, put that into into being. And at week six, we've also got a very unique feature here where you have a personal check-in with either Nigel or myself. That's the opportunity for you to draw breath, and analyse your progress with us, what you're achieving, where you're struggling, any areas of focus that we need so that we can help you. We generally want you to, um, to achieve um, your, your objectives, your outcomes. Then in week seven, it's about adding value, those assured outcomes how can you increase and ratchet up the the impact? Those ROIs, not just for you, but for the for the investors. And each level of of added value creates additional headroom in the deal, which will which will settle the uh, everything from the insurers, the investors, um, the the banks. Everybody becomes more more accomplished and, and assured in the process. Week eight again. Week eight is you go away, take your actions. But at week eight, we also uh, invite you to a site visit. It will be one of our developments. it will be a new build development. uh, And it will be a combination, interestingly, of new build commercial and new build residential. So we're going to give you a site tour in week eight. Week nine will all all be about bank funding, uh, how to raise private investment capital, and SAS funds, uh, how to use structure. So we've raised, Nigel. About 23 million of private investor capital. We take that really seriously. You know, we we our expertise is on structuring deals and and also raising private investor capital and in that investor relations process. So we're going to be really, really opening the kimono to you on how we do that and how best you can manage that that process and create the confidence to 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 attract. Levels of um, the the level of professionalism to attract the private investor Mm -hmm. capital. Week ten is all about your actions. Again, week eleven is the design, the tendering, the construction, and the exit process of your development. And then, of course, week twelve. Then we're back to your specific actions, building your plan. And then at week twelve, we've also got a check in with you as well, with either Nigel or myself. Mm Um, where we'll be going through um, all your requirements and looking at what those next stages might look like, you know long range horizons, your strategy, your plan and how we can continue to support you. And then finally, to close draw to close this 13 week highly intensive program um, is you presenting your business plan. So drawing your business plan together, which is right for you, your family, your shareholders. And the review, and then your long-term actions. So very comprehensive. We're going to have our trusted advisors doing workshop sessions throughout the course of that 13-week period. Um, everything is going to be recorded online um, for attendees and uh, lots of case studies as well. Case studies involving um, some of our mentees, uh, private investors, so a really vibrant 13-week program. So, I will drop a link if you're interested. Uh, The price is 995 plus VAT for the 13 weeks. I'll drop you a link um, in the chat box or go to those listening on the podcast, go to uk. So we're going to be encompassing an awful lot of what we've spoken about, Nigel, this morning on the valuation process in that 13-week program because it is just so important. Absolutely the seed capital's at risk. You know, if you're spending three or four thousand pounds on legals and three or four thousand pounds on valuation process, yep. you know, you've potentially got six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand pounds of seed capital at risk it would pay to know exactly how to simulate and anticipate this process
1: very very much so mark and you know in in terms of it does sound a lot doesn't it it sounds very complex and it sounds a lot but you know we've we've got and we're going to bring some of our our mentees on you know just just to talk to the um you know the parties that are joining us um you know and there's all sorts of backgrounds as You know, there's certain people who've got no construction background at all and just doing amazing things. Absolutely. Fourth, fifth development, you know, within within a matter of 18 months, you know, 12 to 13 million GDP, life changing. And they've just followed the process, haven't they, Mark? They've Mm -hmm. followed the process, step by step, you know, lots of rigor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just achieved remarkable, life-changing things for their, for themselves and their families, which is just fantastic to see. So we're going to share those as well, aren't we? We're going to bring people on and, uh, you know, al- allow people to, to raise any questions that they've got to our mentees and, um, you know, see where that goes. But, yeah, so very achievable. It's just a case of having the knowledge, the support, which is absolutely key, and just doing it, just absolutely following the letter of the law from the top to the bottom and just get it done. And, you know, within 12 to 24 months, it could be a life-changing experience.
0: Absolutely. And the the reason why we teach the detail, and because our background is tends to be a lot larger deals, but the reality is the products we hold are buy-to-lets. We create the buy-to-lets through land development deals and commercial to residential conversions. So we hold generally lots of three-bed, seven-detached houses, and lots of one or two bed apartments, but we acquire them through a wholesale adding value process, and it was very effective for us. Um, so our mentees, as Nigel said, some are doing relatively small deals. You know, so whether you're looking to do a cut your teeth on commercial to residential conversions of a few hundred thousand pounds, creating two or three apartments, or whether you're looking to scale up to half a million or a million. And some of our mentees are going, yeah, you know, much higher than that. It's about you're not you're only in competition with what you're capable of. There's no lemmings here. This is about creating a robust strategy and roadmap that is right for you, your location, your resourcefulness, and your appetite, your risk reward appetite. Mm.
1: So, so the program, more time of day.
0: Um, yeah, so we have a three-hour Zoom session on the 1st, the 3rd, the 5th, the 7th, ninth, 11th and 13th week. Um, they're from 9 till 12, um, but they're all recorded. Um, that's where we have our case studies and our workshops, um, and that kicks off on the 7th of April. We do have another onboarding date in June, but 7th of April we've got about uh, about 45 people registered already uh, for the 7th of april so you're going to be in fantastic company and a great way to create new relationships with people who are similarly aligned you know they've got that same objective focus and want to be successful but want to do it on the right terms on the, with the right level of scrutiny um, and it's all about doing it right okay we're not not involved in any fist pump, rah, rah, rah stuff, clappy high fives. You know, this is this is a serious business and uh, we've seen the impact it's had on our families, on our mentees' families, and we know that doing it right is the only way. And well, I think the equity the ethos is creating shared value. So come along and create some shared value. So now, John, Conscious of Time is another end to a rip-roaring Property podcast. Um, so, you know, it's been a fantastic session. We love the valuation process. We love the due diligence. It's uh, right on the uh, the top of our topic agenda. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, lots of questions coming from this. So, you know, you can drop us either a, a Facebook message um, if you've got any queries, or head over to Equa Academy Facebook group. That's where we put a lot of our knowledge there. Sharing and case studies. So join us at Equa Academy Facebook group, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of Property Portfolio Podcast. Thanks again, Nigel, for everything. Take care. See everybody next week. Take Take care. care. Bye -bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk. And we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.